Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me, the podcast where we explore different concepts and ideas on how our actions affect the environment and how that in turn affects our own health as well. For this episode, I'm speaking with Trisha Martin. She is a Gen Z advocate. She's an experienced facilitator, program designer, and also a co-founder of She Can. She's also the behavior change facilitator in the climate change and sustainability services of Ernst & Young. And I just really enjoyed this conversation with her, and I'm really, really excited to share that with you all. So we're speaking about nudge theory specifically, and yeah, let's get into it. So why did you actually, yeah, why did you choose your field, like why behavioral science? I just sort of ended up in it. Like when I was at uni, I did, I was doing Islamic studies and anthropology, which focuses a lot on people and why people are the way they are and why cultures exist. Mm. Um, And I think that sort of human element, I was like, I'm really interested in people and why they are the way they are. Mm. And then I got into, I did a bit of like charity work and NGO work for places like YGAP and One Girl. And again, got into that sort of like ethical space then. And then it just sort of all came together. I'm like, wow, I can actually get paid for pushing people in the right direction or nudging them. Yeah. I was like, this is the dream. (laughs) It was literally the dream. Yeah. So I just sort of plopped into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And like feeling your energy as well, like how passionate you are. I love it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm a bit of a dork in that. Like I like doing, reading research articles and stuff. Yeah. And I really get excited about it. Um, So you might see me like on a train just, you know, laughing or to an academic paper, which is a bit weird, but I'll own it. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, so guys, yeah. Even at my dinner table, I'm like, so a new study has just come out and everyone's like, oh, please you know stop talking <laughs> uh, you've yeah. just seen the segue like just nudging people into it so tell us a bit about yeah. nudge theory so nudge theory is a really exciting sort of space in behavioral science so it started off in that field and it sort of looks at uh, behavior change from a person perspective and really simplifies behavior change so a classic example of nudge theory um, would be when you walk into a place like Cotton On or a shop, right? You decide that you're going to buy the t-shirt. Um, in your mind, you're like, yep, I'm just going to buy that t-shirt. I only have enough money for that t-shirt. You're really happy with your decision. You go up and about to pay for the t-shirt. And then the store assistant says, oh, would you like, you know, mints for $2? Or would you like that um, bag behind you? And it's just that way of changing creating an environment that subtly changes people's minds, um, usually in a good direction. So you really want to push it in a good direction. And it's not saying like, these are the rules and you have to abide by them or you'll be fined or X, Y, Z. It's just shifting them and supporting them so they're actually making choices in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really actually England um, a few years ago under... Um, the department actually created a nudge unit in the government because they saw the value of like nudge theory and like pushing people suddenly in the right direction. Yeah. So it's like a really untapped sort of behavior change science. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not really in this space. Like I've only heard about it a few times, but I haven't yeah. fully 
delved into yeah. That, yeah and there's so much going on in that space now and there's different ways that you can use nudge theory so if you take mental health for example um that's a classic one if we look at people with like anxiety or depression um a lot of the time we, we know from science that physical exercise is really good but for someone who has anxiety it can be a lot of shame around it um or even getting up the house can be really hard so when we talk about nudge theory there's um, a technique called temptation bundling where instead of saying okay well i'm going to go for a run which can be really daunting it would be like okay well i'm going to go for a run listening to a podcast that i really like or i'm going to go to a run in a park that i really love or i'm going to go for a run and then i'm going to end at my favorite coffee shop Mm. so it's actually increasing that temptation for them to naturally do it rather than being like you have to you have to run if you have anxiety you have to be physical Mm. so it's way more gentler and easy for people yeah 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 i like that reframe and i guess not putting pressure on ourselves yeah yeah. a a main part of nudge theory is the easy access of it Mm. so um one of the one thing they do is an in-school program called She Can, and we work with girls in behaviour change um, to make them more independent. So it might be money or career readiness, but one of the areas is study skills, right? And we know, I think anybody who's been <laughs> at school has been stressed at some point yeah. when exam season comes, and it can be super overwhelming for young people. Um, so the question is not about like, how do we make them perform better? It's like, how do we support them to create an environment that allows them to make the right choices? So um, a classic example would be if you need to go for a run in the morning and you've got that anxiety the night before of like, oh, I don't want to, or I've got too much work, my assignments are coming up. Even putting your shoes and folded clothes and a water bottle by your bed, okay, in the morning, or setting an alarm, but making the alarm unreachable Mm. um that is a classic nudge behavior change because you're suddenly nudging yourself to go for that run yeah um and when we put that in our everyday lives once we follow those habits and those nudges they become normal so we don't have to think about it Mm. um it's really clever the space yeah Yeah. i really like that yeah and so in the space that you're in have Mm. you found any clever uses of nudge theory that relates to say climate change or other movements yes. it's um, all happening yeah. it's such an exciting space mm. you can see like how excited i'm at um an interesting space obviously there's plastic so a classic example of nudge theory would be um coffee uh cafes now offering um cheaper coffee if you bring a keep cup mm. okay so that's a classic one because you're more likely to because we value money okay yeah. <laughs> we all value um what's in our bank account so that sounds really good to us um another example would be uh the plastic bags mm. um being taken out of Coles and Woolworths um because now it's a sort of opt-in thing and when we have to opt in to buy a bag for 15 cents we no longer see the value mm. i'm not sure if you remember i i remember going shopping um with my parents after school and there would literally be a plastic bag for each item that was mm. bought you'd walk out with like 50 plastic bags and you wouldn't think That's about crazy. it because yeah. it was just there whereas now um if i see that i had forgotten my bags and it costs 20 cents i'm more likely to carry 50 objects to my car <laughs> and have to like get someone to open it for me because you know that's a classic nudge 
Um, an exciting space is actually water mm. um, and water scarcity, which is interesting. So when we talk about um, nudge theory, there's something called uh, social norms. So as humans, we like being accepted naturally, right? We don't sort of like stirring the pot. Um, we want to be accepted, belong, all that sort of stuff. So in California, it's a recent study in 2017, I'm pretty sure, there was a drought. Um, so these researchers came in and they were thinking about how can we make people save more water? What is the most effective way? So in a community, they hung um, like door hangers on each um, house and each of the door hangers had different messages. So there was three messages. The first message was um, saying, reminding people of the classic, you know, you need to save X amount of water and percentages and stats and, you know, the usual things that we get in our mailboxes about water. The second message was um, a reminder of a fine. So if you don't do X, you'll get a $500 penalty. And the third message didn't take that approach. It was just, 80% of people in your community are already saving water or X amount of water. Okay. Mm. So they studied the households depending on what message they got. What was interesting is that obviously the penalty, so the second message and the first one of stats, there was a slight change, okay, because people don't want to pay heaps of money. Mm. Um, but after the drought season, the water usage remained the same. So they saved water and then after the drought, they went back to their normal levels. Mm. Okay. The third message was number one, super effective, and it actually stayed, lasted longer. Yeah, wow. And if you think, like, just thinking about that, why do you think the third message would work over the other two? Mm. Well, it's like back into history of humans, like we want to be a part of a tribe. Yes, exactly, and exactly. It was that whole idea of, well, my neighbor's already doing this. Mm. All these people around me are doing this. 80% of people are doing this, so I'm sort of missing out if I don't do this or I'm going to be judged. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's a really exciting sort of space. And we can apply that to, you know, plastic bags, you know. Um, smoking's a classic one. Smoking's not really normal anymore, mm. right? It's sort of um, got a shame around it. Whereas in, you know, the 1960s and 50s, it was a social a social norm. So it's uh, actually seen nudge through in terms of making sustainability and those good cho choices the norm mm. and then anything else as, you know, alternative um, and people want to tend to buy into the norm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what is a really exciting space for nudge theory. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a cool experiment that they did there. Yeah. And yeah. even um, fast fashion. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot with teenage girls. Uh, in that there's a lot, when you're a teenager, there's lots of disposable income. Mm. So you don't uh, necessarily have to think about where you're buying. Um, a lot of the factor is brands and what's in. Um, but in the workshops that we run, a simple nudge theory would be showing um, an ethical rating of favorite brands. Mm. So another aspect of nudge theory is making sure that it's relevant to people's life in the moment because as humans, we're not really interested in long-term effects. If I was saying, okay, we're going to go for a 10K run, 
the motivation might be there, but we might be thinking, let's get a coffee beforehand and let's have a nap and then let's just forget about it. Mm. Okay. So we need to make sure that can be relevant and applied in their lives straight away. So um, an effective shift that we see in behavior is if we go to a popular brand like Glassen's. Glassen has a really bad ethical rating. Um, Still, there's a lot of sweatshops. They're not transparent, but it's a really popular brand with young women. So if we just put a simple like green leaf um, next to good brands um, that are doing the right thing and then like a red cross next to um, you know, glasses and those sort of brands, even something like that mm. is a subtle shift of, oh, wow, that's a brand that relates to me in this moment. It's actually not that ethical. Um, maybe I should question that. Yeah. Okay. It actually align with your values. It doesn't align with your values. And just those simple, like symbols, all those things are used to nudge us in certain directions without even knowing it. Mm. So very, yeah, it's interesting how it all works. Yeah, definitely. There's yeah. more and more people that are getting interested in buying secondhand goods and more ethical yeah yeah and that being normalized on instagram now like that whole rejection of fast fashion and the fact that you can get awesome brands in a more ethical way through op shops that's a really exciting way um but then you've also got like the other side of nudge theory which is like afterpay or um even when we talk about super not actually thinking about where the money's going um, where our soup is actually going like is it is it investing in coal or is it investing mm. in our environment yeah yeah definitely that's um funny that you mentioned fast fashion i actually just got back from like before i came and saw you yeah i just went to my friend's shop at lantern yes. called the conscious exchange love that today's their grand opening oh no i mean to spend all my money there <laughs> that was a nudge you just nudged me <laughs> Yeah, awesome. So, um, obviously, ethical fashion, sustainably yeah, sourced. Definitely, Love everything that. there sustainably sourced, and they've got products there, and they're partnered with, um, they're partnered with this organization that's creating lip balms and perfumes, oh, and you can just like that. return the container back to them, and they'll refill it for you. So that's another. That's a perfect example. Mm. Not sure where it's ease of access, right? Yeah. So you don't have to go and buy a new one and have all this rubbish. You can just go back. Mm. It gets filled, refilled for you. It's easy. It's accessible. It's probably going to work more effectively in the long run. Yeah, that's mm. classic. Yeah, yeah. Love that. I love what they're doing, and yeah, they've only just started, and I'm really excited. Oh, to I'm see excited as well. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, so glad that's happening. And thank you for like explaining that theory as well, because I had a little bit of an understanding on it. Yeah. But, like, cool to see the different applications of it yeah it's it can be applied anywhere Mm -hmm. yeah i got um done actually for nudge theory the other day i was walking through coles and there was the coles uh, mud cakes on the shelf like (laughs) front and center um so i got caught out with that obviously bought too but (laughs) um we can apply it better in our you know everyday lives i suppose (laughs) yeah yeah that's true there's always um there's always things to do yeah but <laughs> yeah, unconsciously, actually, now thinking about it, it's kind of why I started this podcast. Really? So, one of the main things why I started it was because, like, I feel like people need to take action. There's yes. a lot of awareness, but it's not relatable to now at this point in time. Exactly. And if I interview people that know what they're doing and 
tell people about what's happening now. Mm. Like tea bags as a perfect example. Yes. There's they yes, there's they're made of paper, but there's also plastic woven through it mm. to keep the paper intact when you put water in it. But whenever you put boiling water in plastic and all those microplastics just go into our tea yeah. and we put that in our bodies and like we've already seen effects of plastic affecting our hormones and yes like there's still more that we don't know but like that's one of the things that I've committed to this year was to have less plastics in my body yes so through using more loose leaf tea loose leaf tea yes and having tea bags and I feel like the podcast is a format of that monastery so if we take that example which is a perfect example okay so the outcome that we want from that is that we want people to use you know less plastic that is harmful for our bodies and our environment right and you could the usual way to do it that people assume is to get everybody into you know an assembly or a classroom or a hall and chuck up a powerpoint throughout the statistics throw them textbooks give them a leaflet right Um, because it's just knowledge but when we see um, when we try and measure that we don't see much change Mm. if you do it in a format like you are where storytelling um, showing like demonstrating yourself um, giving this information in a bite-sized way through a podcast that is accessible to everyone and people enjoy listening to podcasts a hundred percent more effective it's nudging people like really easily in a way that is attractive to them it's like we need when we talk about plastic it's not about throwing the stats or pressuring or saying you know you're going to be fined five billion dollars if you don't do this it's making it irresistible for people so they don't have to think about it it should be something that they want to do and excited about um which yeah this is what the podcast is doing so it is like it's demonstrating nudge theory really cool it's exciting (laughs) thank you yeah no problem (laughs) co-founded it um a few years ago and it came out of this idea that school was an amazing experience for me uh but when I stepped out of school there was a lot of bits missing um Mm. that I wish I knew um and particularly as a female uh the ideas of finance having your um your thinking around finance and your career um, is the difference between whether you stay in control or not a lot of the time or whether you have those choices made for you. I'm really um, passionate about being in control of your own choices and having that freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with SheCam, we take a sort of different approach because we are using Nudge Theory pretty much. We want to support girls to make their own choices, set them their environments up in a way that best supports them, right? Um, and that can go anywhere from, you know, making ethical decisions with fast fashion to making sure that they are checking their pay slips and getting, you know, the right pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but an exciting project that we're launching into this year is called the Virtual Intern Platform, which is making sure that secondary students have access to placements around the Hunter. Um, despite, you know, geography or socioeconomic background, it's all going to be online and actual virtual placements where they're actually doing work that relates to the industry if that makes sense Mm. a lot of the time with work placements um kids end up doing photocopying or 
grabbing coffees. I'm a massive fan of coffee, don't get me wrong, but I think um, students can do a bit more than that. And a lot of um, our projects are making sure, number one, it's easy access to those students, it's engaging, so the knowledge is actually in their language. And number three, they're actually doing tasks that they can actually use in the real world. Mm. So that's whole easy access thing. Yeah. yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that is very exciting. Yeah. And like now thinking back to like my journey through education, well, I see myself as a lifelong learner. Yeah. I think you do too. <laughs> and I, well, one thing that I really take an approach to she kind of that learning doesn't have to be passive. Mm. Um, I'm a massive fan and particularly with behavior change, gameplay is, I cannot overstate it enough. It is so important when we talk about engaging people and making people change their behavior for the better mm. so with she can um workshops yeah we deliver the knowledge and these access but then we want to put the girls in that situation and have that simulated environment so at the beginning we might be talking about um you know financial goal setting um or how to save money in a certain you know context and check pay slips but then they're put into a challenge where they have to save enough money to get a splendor festival ticket and then they have to check the lineups and make sure that they're buying the right ticket and taking transport costs and use really real life situations that they will be interested in facing. Mm. And when we when we relate to young people in a way that they're experiencing their lives now, that knowledge is actually going to be used straight away and they're more likely to take it on. Yeah. Like if you sat down with a teenager now, um, particularly on a Sunday, which would be pretty hard, yeah. <laughs> and said, we're going to do a budget okay, you're probably, you know, yeah, <laughs> I think you're done. Okay, um, But if you put in terms of like sweet, so um, there's like heaps of lineups happening at the moment, um, festivals, X, Y, Z, um, how are we going to get that ticket? What's your pay like? How much should you be paid? What? Where do you want to work? Hospo, or do you want to work in um, retail? What's the differences between that? Do you want discounts or do you want, mm. um, you know, free time? You know, um, just framing it in that sense and bringing back a bit of fun and gameplay in their learning. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely. so cool. Yeah. Mm. Definitely, like most of the stuff that I know now and are really interested in learning yeah. is from those moments of. Yeah. Like, um, Sorry, I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah, those moments of just discussing with people or just playing around and yeah, like not from reading a textbook. Well, totally, <laughs> and a lot of it's like student led, mm. um, and even when we talk about sustainability, it has to be person led. You can definitely tell people what to do, but they're not going to engage, mm. and most of the time, it actually is the opposite effect. So you see it actually a lot with um, smoking ads, for example when there was smoking ads that were like okay if you smoke you are going to have lung cancer you're probably going to die you know those pictures that were horrific mm. of like little babies and stuff um the intention behind it was to make people essentially feel bad and change their behavior but time and time again we see the opposite effect mm. it's actually they continue the behavior um because they're like well either it's too hard or you know stuff you i'm going to keep on doing what i'm doing yeah so when we frame it in positive messages um and i think this is a space particularly with the plastic where it can go the wrong way when we start using negative stories mm. of your you know penguins being you know choked and all those sort of um images yeah. um obviously really emotive but it can make people feel super overwhelmed mm. and then there's inaction passive inaction yeah. when we frame in a way of if you walk to work you can 
hang out with your kids more um you can enjoy your environment you can feel better about yourself you can have more energy you can have a great coffee on the way people are more likely to buy into that behavior mm. um and with young people that i work with you can easily use those scare tactics tactics of oh well if you um don't have a resume you're gonna you're not going to get a job or if you don't try hard in school you're not going to get anywhere or you can frame it in a way where it's like don't you want to get paid for something you love doing don't you want that freedom to you know hang out with friends on the weekend and actually pay for stuff yourself like that's exciting stuff that's independence so it's the power of positivity when we talk about sustainability or behavior change that actually is really effective mm. when we look it up mm. yeah definitely and like have you seen any well, quote-unquote negative effects of nudge theory and like of messaging around pollution and sustainability yeah off the top of my head let me think uh we've seen we can see nudge theory go wrong um or not effective so the classic example would be with water when we're saving water if we use uh statistics so you know when you get those fridge magnets yeah and they're like xyz blah, blah, blah that actually doesn't cause any much behavior change partly because it can't be measured it's really hard to measure but partly because we don't connect to it mm. um when we talk about sustainability um i would say with nudge theory is when it's a shove that's when it's not effective mm. so um when they were bringing in you know taxes or if you don't do this you'll get you'll be charged xyz that just makes people angry mm. and usually it reverts um it makes people do the opposite thing mm. um nudge theory has gone wrong when it's a really subtle science so for example in england they did a study of they were trying to reduce people using heat in the households because um, people are using too much energy and they're focusing on energy saving so you can apparently you can do like a scan of a house take a special picture and if it's using heaps of heat mm. um the house will be all red yeah. so places where okay yeah heat yeah. map yeah heat map <laughs> i'm still waking up um so what the government did was they're like okay we're going to take heat maps of people's houses and we'll send it to them so if the house is this was a thinking behind it if you get a picture of your house, which is tailored to you, so it's more personal and it's all red, they're going to freak out and be like, oh, whoa, we're using so much energy. Let's reduce it. That was the aim. Unfortunately, though, when you think of the color red, there's danger obviously associated with it, but it all also is a very warm color, right? Mm. It represents warmth. So when these heat maps were sent out to people, there was no change. And when they looked at it, um, they found out that a lot of people were looking at these heat maps and thinking, oh, I'm, my house is so warm and so welcoming. This is great. Look how welcoming my house is. Because oh, they associated the color red with welcoming yeah. and, you know, um, a beautiful, welcoming, warm house. So that's like a classic example of nudge theory where the intention was good, but because someone didn't think about colors. Yeah, and the psychology of colors. So maybe if they put... Um, green or well not even green because that's quite yeah environmental blue or you know an icier sort of color it Mm. might have had the opposite effect Mm. so it's really quite interesting like the subtleties with how we do nudge theory because it can yeah i mean any sort of nudge can you know push us over a cliff or you know push us in a really good direction so Mm. yeah it's pretty subtle yeah Yeah. definitely (laughs) 
So like, what's a pretty clever nudge that you've used in the past to, I guess, inspire others to have more sustainable, like make more sustainable choices within their lives? Yeah, um, I'm a massive fan of um, choice architecture, um, which is how I touched on it before. It's just designing your environment so it's easy. I'm a real big fan of that. Um, so if we look at um, fast fashion or I'm just trying to think of like it can be applied to so many things. Mental health, for example. Mm. Um, I'm naturally anxious person and a lot of young people now are. Um, I think we've grown up in a society where we have a lot of expectations of ourselves mm. um, and, you know, perfectionate perfectionism is a very classic thing so um a lot of the time in my everyday life with my friends it's a lot of time normalizing good behavior and when we think about nudge theory when we do it with someone it's way easier um so something as simple as like checking in like messages voice messages on messenger or like the odd text message being like hey like you're doing great. I love like what you've been up to. You look strong. Um, you look fit. You, you're looking really good. Um, I'm really proud of you. Even those simple like text messages and stuff naturally like push you in a direction. And especially when you're in a group scenario where you're all doing that and supporting one another, it naturally pushes you in that direction. Do you experience that? Like do group chats is a classic example of an everyday, you know, nudge theory. Um, and then you can apply it directly to more ethical choices. Um, so op shopping, like I have a group of friends where we share each other's finds. Okay. And then it sort of gets a bit competitive. You're like, oh, how did you find this? Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to go here and like find a better one. So it's actually like using nudge theory in a really effective way yeah. because we're actually, you know, buying a bit more ethically and proud of that and owning that. And then it becomes normal yeah. for us. So we naturally do it. Yeah, and also clothes trading. I'm not sure if you've ever done that before, but... Yes, I love organising clothes swaps between <gasps> friends. So good. And that's a classic example of nudge theory as well because it's like, oh, well, I can go to the shops, but my friend is on the way to the shops, so I'm just going to dive out there instead, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. a good excuse to hang out. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we can use it really easily. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's just an amazing field and uh, everyone should read some research on a train like me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you have any, um, are there any interesting books or articles that you'd like to share to give people an introduction to learning? I actually do. I'm um, a massive fan of James Clear. He um, doesn't explicitly, you know, talk about nudging, but he's all about habit-based behavior change. So really simple ways to change people's behavior that they can implement. His background, I think he was um, an athlete, so he's all about process over product and he has really simple it makes me feel you know when you go into a stationary shop and you feel immediately calm because it's all ordered all his blogs are really simple there's lots of storytelling so it's not just stats you feel like you engage in the story and there's a lot of bite-sized things that you can just use from his books um his book is called atomic habits atomic habits yes yeah Mm. amazing such a good read yeah definitely definitely want to jump on that awesome yeah thank you so much no problem um so where can people get in touch with you or she can yeah no problem so um she can's website is shecan.com.au um you we also have facebook she can or instagram at she can girl 
And if anyone wants to email me um, with any questions, it's trisha at shecan.com.au. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so <laughs> No problem. It was so cool. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healing My Earth, Healing Me. It's been such a pleasure having all these amazing conversations and I'm really excited to share more with you. From this week, I'm going to be releasing this episodes weekly, so I'll still alternate between interviews and solo episodes, so I'm excited to bump up the frequency and yeah, share more with you all at a more regular pace, so it'll come out every Friday, so you can listen to it on your weekend. Thanks again for tuning in and feel free to get in touch with me through Instagram, LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll link those in the show notes and if you'd like to have a chat and connect in these uncertain times, my Calendly link is there as well. Stay safe and stay sane and let's physically distance ourselves, but let's strengthen the social connections.